This morning, we start in with a new series in a little letter by the name of First Thessalonians. There are three kinds of people in the world today. There are well poisoners who discourage you and stomp on your creativity and tell you what you can't do. There are, and no offense, Monty, lawnmowers. And this is not Monty at all. But there are lawnmowers, people who are well-intentioned but self-absorbed. They tend to their own needs. They mow their lawns and never, mind, uh, never leave their yards to help another person. And finally, there are life enhancers. People who reach out to enrich the lives of others, to lift them up and inspire them. So, Walt Disney continues on to say, we need to be life enhancers. And we need to surround ourselves with life enhancers. I think he might have uh, succeeded at Disneyland, don't you think? <laughs> uh, we've got people that I think are, are hooked on Disneyland. You know, they, they go there uh, faithfully. Uh, it, it's, yeah, <laughs> we... Um, uh, you know, it's, it's an encouraging time. You know, it's, it's a wonderful place. It's Disneyland. <laughs> well, I read this because it impressed me, but because of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a, a life enhancer. God used the Apostle Paul to encourage. And here, this letter that we're starting to look at here today, 1 Thessalonians, is that. It's a letter of encouragement. And so, uh, if we're not going to read it, but um, Acts chapter 17, if you're taking notes, just jot down. Acts chapter 17, 1 through 9, is where it really starts. It was on Paul's second missionary journey, and they ended up um, going over there because of they were in Asia Minor, or Turkey, and they had the Macedonian call. And so they went and answered that call and went, and eventually they got to the little, uh, the, actually the, the capital. It's, it's the capital, or was the capital, of the, uh, the area of Macedonia, which was a Roman colony, which also was one of the stops in the Ignatian Way, f- going from Rome to Asia. So it was very, uh, as business people say, it's location, location, location. Great spot. This little town called Thessalonica. Actually, it wasn't little. It was a, a good-sized town. And so they had a lot of, a lot of people there. And not just... Um, there were Jewish people there. They had a synagogue. But they had many Gentiles there also. Uh, from many, many backgrounds. And so uh, the occasion of his writing was... The, Acts chapter 17 tells us that Paul was there for three Sabbaths. However... Some Many commentators think that it was actually longer than just what we would assume as three weeks that because of the work that was done there with the, this new church. And um, the whole idea behind our title this morning, if you look at your outline, you see the title, How to Turn the World Upside Down. Now, I want to challenge you with that title and that thought. Because right away, I think, <laughs> I don't 
I'm not one that's going to turn the world upside down. So don't, you know, what are you trying to say here? Do you think that? I, I know I do. And yet, you know what? That's what the Thessalonians said when Paul and his travelers showed up. That's what they said. They said, oh, here are these guys that are turning the world upside down. Now, did he mean every corner of the world at that point? No, he meant that area. Because what was happening was the gospel, it was the gospel, not just people, it was the gospel being brought into new areas, into new regions. And this, by the way, was really critical. Thessalonica, because Philippi, Thessalonica, guess what was happening? The gospel was being taken from Asia to where? Europe. Okay? Very important that we understand that. And so the occasion of this letter was that after a limited visit, because Paul and, and Silas, they had to be taken out to Berea because of the upheaval the mob that came after them. And so they, they whisked off Paul and the other travelers and companions with Paul to, to Berea. And, and they left. And so this letter was written to encourage, to commend, to instruct or even clarify some things for these new believers. But don't you get it wrong here. It was a, a letter of encouragement. We don't find... Uh, a letter like this in, in this way uh, in the New Testament. There's, uh, there's certain letters that are more of a, of a cutting and, and correction by Paul. And this one was about this model church. That's what many of the commentators call it. Um, there's a letter to a model church. Okay. I would venture to say if we were to take a little survey, you would like your church... To be a model church, would you not? And um, it's important that we understand what's what's here behind this. This is really, um, uh, it, it was along with Galatians, it was one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote. Uh, they, they guess it's around uh, AD uh, 50, 49, 50, 51, somewhere in there. One of his first letters, along with the letter to the Galatians. So... Here's this letter. It's one of his shortest ones. It's one of the easiest ones to understand. There's not a lot of difficulty to it. Um, and then uh, it's one of the more practical letters. So a theme behind First uh, Thessalonians would be this. A holy walk, in, in, encouraging for a holy walk in light of Christ's return. How God's chosen people live out their calling. And we're going to see that here in our study. How God's chosen people live out their calling. Now, in each chapter, Paul manages to refer to the return of Christ in each chapter. So that's one of the reasons why you add that into the, to the, the theme of the letter. A holy walk in light of Christ's return. If we were to pick out a key verse, 
we would use 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 11 through 13. If you turn there and follow along with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 11 through 13. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This church, listen, this church hadn't been established that long and already they were seen by Paul as a model church. And what they were doing was they were excited about the return of Jesus. Okay? So, the tone of the letter then is uh, probably one of Paul's most encouraging letters And so very easily, Paul could be described as a life enhancer, but not finished with that, a life enhancer with the gospel. Because, folks, all of us have to understand, this is what drives the church. It's not a fancy um, church building. It's not a powerful leading uh, team of leaders or elders. It's not that. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we must understand that. And your life, your individual life, must be built on that if you're saying you're a Christian. You must understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's what brings, listen, change. There's another way to sum up the letter to, uh, to the Thessalonians. They've changed. And we're going to read about that also and study about it. They had changed. They were different. And it was because of the gospel that was brought to them. And so, guess what? We face that very issue ourselves. Are you changed? Are you different? Does your life kind of look like it's upside down compared to the world? Or do you fit in with the world and the way the, the world is? And see, that's, the, that's one of the, the big issues, the big encouragements about this letter. Okay? I'd like to add this to our introduction. Um, I mentioned already it's referred to by many as the model church. But here's the Thessalonian equation. The Thessalonian equation. Clear gospel presentation plus clear gospel testimony from those that came equals clear gospel fruit. Results. Change. Okay? And so, Christian living then really is all driven by, defined by, and dependent on what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And we say then, well, but I'm trusting in the Lord. Okay, good. In your life, you're trusting in the Lord. You know, let's talk about the gospel. What's the gospel? Why is that important? Because what we're going to do now is go into this little outline that, you know, the key is not the outline. The key is what the word of God is telling us. But 
it's the idea that this is real. How does real change take place in a person's life? And a lot of times we just think, oh, I'll get involved in a good church. Well, nice, that's good. But that's not what's going to bring change in your heart. Change comes from the gospel made alive in your life. Where Jesus Christ is not just a, a figure on a cross or some words on a page. He's real in your life. Not just on Sundays, but all 24-7. So, let me ask this question as we now move into our outline. Okay, Before we give you the, uh, the first point here, what should any, if we're talking about encouragement here, okay, what should any pastor, myself included, what should any pastor be encouraged by regarding church? And a lot of times, it's like, wow, hey, you know what? We got a lot of people today. Isn't that exciting? That's, yeah, that's good. Is that what really, yeah, that encourages my heart, but is that what really should be encouraging my heart? Somebody gave us some money, and this didn't really happen, but somebody gave, <laughs> somebody gave us some money, and we get to build a new building. Yeah! That, that encourages my heart. That'd be really great. That'd be awesome. Wonderful. Um, or, you know, just in, in a sense, here, here's, wow, we, you know how much we got in the offering today? Whoa. Things like that, that really attracts, you know, the heart and the mind. But what ought to really be the encouragement of any pastor's heart, and thus you, as a part of the church, what ought to encourage our hearts? Those are nice things, but really what's what's most important? What's most important? You know, that the pastor gets done by a certain time. I, I work at that. <laughs> Maybe not like you might think I do, but... <laughs> So, what really is most important? What encourages your heart? What encourages leadership's heart? And it really ought to come down to, again, what I've been hollering about here is the gospel. That people know the gospel, that people can talk about it and share it effectively. And their lives are learning to match it. Yeah? Okay? So, the implication of First Thessalonians is that encouragement is found in the lives of people who, in this case, are abiding in Christ. It's not just Disneyland, but it's that people are being encouraged because they're abiding in Christ. They're walking with Him. They're trusting Him. They're living for Him. And they know the gospel because that's what's brought the change. So Paul gives encouragement to these believers who received the gospel, by the way, in the midst of persecution in their very city. Not just, oh, everything's cool. No, they received the gospel in the midst of persecution. So, change. You want to be a part of it. I know you do. 
I know you do. I want it. But all too often, we're going after it in the wrong way. We allow things to lure us in that are not, you know, of the right content. So we want, you know, to understand this. So, how, how to turn the world upside down. Number one, there's got to be an authentic connection. Number one, an authentic connection. You look at verse one and two, first Thessalonians. Look at it. Paul and Silas, or Silvanus, that's his Roman name, Silvanus. Paul and Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers. So, number one, under authentic connection in God. This is talking about connection in His church. So, unified, letter A, unified in Christ. That's what's first. To be in the church, you must be unified or at one in Christ. This is a very familiar phrase for Christians. Um, in Christ. It's throughout the New Testament. It's our position. As a believer, if you have put faith in Jesus Christ, you are, you stand in Christ. That's your position. Your practice then needs to follow up with your life. Here's my practice. My position, I'm in Christ. Now, there's only two categories of that position. Either you are in Christ or you are in darkness. You are of Satan's kingdom. And you can be, listen, you can be the nicest person in the world and still be in the kingdom of darkness. You must be born again. You must exercise faith in Jesus Christ for what He accomplished for you at the cross. And once you do that, His blood covers your sins. You are forgiven. You're His child through faith, not through what you did, not through all your works, not through anything of yourself, but of His doing. And through His shed blood that covers your sins. Now you stand in Christ. You're in, that's your position. Okay? So, an authentic connection has got to start with that, being in Christ. Now, I want you to look at this phrase in the first verse. You, you must look at it. He says, to the church of the Thessalonians, he names it. He says, and the word, the, the article, the, is not there in the Greek. It's just, the church of Thessalonians. But then it says, here's the little preposition, okay? In God the Father. And notice what it does not say. It does not go on to say, and in Jesus Christ. Why? Why is that important? Why is that significant? Because that then separates them. And with just the one preposition, in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I slipped even there. There's just one preposition that that equates the two in the same category. What is that saying to us? He's He's God. Who? Jesus. Jesus is God. Okay. And and it's reaffirmed with the very title and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. 
It's This is a clear placement of Jesus on the same level, in the same category, on the same plane as God the Father. They're not two separate. They're one. God the Father. God the Son. Okay? And it's clear that Jesus never became the Lord of Paul's life. I mean, how do I say that? Um, I'm not saying that the right way. Um, Jesus never all of a sudden um, became Lord. He was always Lord. So when Paul came to faith in Christ, Paul said what? When he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, he, he turned and said, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? How is it that in Christianity, you and I don't necessarily respond in the same way as Paul? Lord. And it, it's almost like we're, we're prone to, and we're, because we're used to hearing it from others, other, other books or articles or messages, you know, well, he's just my savior. And I, 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 and I, it's like, I live however I want. No, we're called to be under his rule, his lordship. Okay. So, um, he was always Lord to Paul. That's, that's the idea. And so by embracing Christ, which is done through faith, here's the emphasis on genuine connection. And if I'm un- if I'm united with Christ, then it automatically goes to letter B, unified in his church. Simple. Not profound at all. Just there it is, basic. But again, somehow we don't connect it that way. We, we kind of walk around like, a you know, on our own. It's, it's, it's kind of the American way. I do what I want to do. And yet the connection, if it's authentic... If there's an authentic connection in Christ, there's an authentic connection in the church. Okay? And the word church is the assembly. And I like to add this. The assembly of the changed. Are you part of that? Are you a part of that? Are you part of the assembly of the changed, the converted people? Okay? That's what this group was grounded in. It was about their church. You know, and, and the, here's the, the hubbub of what happened in Thessalonica there. They beat Jason. Jason was one of the guys in Thessalonica for hiding or, or sending Paul and, and Silas off. They knew that Jason was one of the hosts. So they, they beat on Jason. So the, here's the congregation needing to, you know, come alongside of him, encourage him. But this, you know, are we like... Are we an authentic church? Are we? You know? Well, we've got to be grounded in the power of God, which is the gospel. So being connected into church, being unified in church, is first a spiritual matter, right? Because when you come to faith in Christ, 1 Corinthians Chapter 12 says that you've been baptized into the body of Christ. In other words, you've been placed into the body of Christ. Right? Um, you're baptized into Christ Jesus. You're baptized into his body. And don't, don't associate it with water baptism. That's just a, uh, a sign of it. 
But spiritually speaking, when you put faith in Christ, you are placed into, identified with, or baptized into the church, into the body of Christ. Okay? So, it's also then demonstrated by, here you are. You show up in body. You, can, you know, you're not saying, well, I, I was spiritually with you in church today. <laughs> no, you showed up physically. And that's the demonstration of the church. Is If you're a Christian, is Christ in you by His Spirit? Yes! <laughs> okay? And here we come together, and when we... It's not just about Sunday mornings, first of all. It's about your life. But Sunday mornings is important because we gather together as an assembly of changed people, of assembly of needy people. We need His mercy. We need the message of the cross. We need to demonstrate. Here's, here's I, I partake of communion. I don't just think about it. I partake of it. I consume what's given to me. When you consume, here you, you have the, the Lord's Supper. You consume the cracker and you consume the juice. That's showing that you've already done what? Eaten of the body and the blood of Jesus. That sounds kind of gross, but that's what he's talking about. You, you've consumed him. You've taken him in. So, you demonstrate your connection to church with your physical presence. It's important. I mean, we could talk a lot now about church and, and things. I want to encourage you in this way. A lot of times... We just think that church is one of the many things in my life. Okay? Now, I don't want to put church attendance up so high that, you know, it's, it's like above everything else. No, listen. Here's some thoughts. Your family... No, stop. Your relationship with Christ is numero uno. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in your heart, in your life. Now, from there it goes to what? Your, your family. If your family is not, you gotta say, it's about my family. God's given me a, a wonderful spouse, children, etc., etc. Okay? There, that's what's next. But in there, church can't come down like with just some of the errands of life. Grocery shopping, going to pay the bills, and church. Okay? But in our day and age, what we're seeing more and more of is that church isn't that big of a deal because, hey, I got it on my phone right here, man. I just pushed the button and there's the message and there's the song. Yeah? That's what's happening. It's like no big deal. And, by the way, I can listen to it on the road. Just get the radio station or my MP3 and plug it in. And, and we had church. You know, it, it's important that we understand the priority that Christ gives the church. Remember, He died for the church. And the church is the what of Christ? The bride of Christ. What does that tell you about the priority of the church interesting okay now let's move on 
So we've got this connection. It's got to be authentic. It's not a phony. It's authentic because it's in Jesus Christ, who is God. And it's in the church because that's what he died and shed his blood for, was the church. Are you connected? Are you partnered up? Or do you just kind of, every once in a while, kind of show up? See, it's through being involved, being a part of it, wanting to grow, wanting to serve, wanting to help, however, that God's graces are stirred up more and stimulated more in your life. And yeah, there are times where maybe the message wasn't a home run. Maybe the message was too long. Maybe it was boring. You know what? Church is more than about a sermon, right? What has happened in your life? Have you spent time with Jesus yourself? In His Word? In prayer? In worship? Have you? Or do you? are you one that kind of waits for... Woody to really whip it up. Wow, that was so good. And now I feel like I can go the next week and oh, no, that's not what you wait for. You wait on the Lord. You go to him. Here's where we gather together and make an encouragement to one another. And notice the prevailing attitude in verse two. Look at verse two. What's the prevailing attitude? We give thanks. And then he says, we give thanks always for all of you. Now, all that means, listen, is when they pray, they're remembering them. Right? That's what he's saying. He's got other people that he's praying for. But when they pray, uh, you know, here's, well, let's remember, pray for the Thessalonians. We always remember you. In this way. So there's a lot of prayer going on. And that's, a, that's something that we have to train ourselves in and ask God for his help so that we can be praying more like he's saying later in Thessalonians in chapter 5. Pray with what? Pray without ceasing. Okay? But this is the prevailing attitude. He's displaying the, as we say, here we go in, thank, in November, no, Thanksgiving, you know, the attitude of gratitude. And I, I like to call this, here's the, it, you know, this attitude of gratitude is expressed in our prayer language. Our prayer language is about thanks. I go to prayer. Dear God, here's my list. I'd like to ask you to do this and do that. And, uh, oh, by the way, thanks for today or whatever. You know, it's too much like a list that we, we approach God with. And, and we give thanks to God for his work that he's doing through the gospel in the lives of people. There's change. There's change. Okay. So, now, if you're truly connected in that way, if you're authentically connected in that way, then we get into the next point, number two, 
which we'll do next week. Okay? But listen, the, the second point is authentic commitment. It's authentic commitment. That's what comes. If you are connected, now there's a commitment, and we're going to see what those are. That trio of Christian virtues. A work of faith, a labor of love, and an endurance of what? Hope. Right? So, we'll pick it up there next week. We want to go to our time of uh, remembering Christ's death that we call the Lord's Supper.